Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live, and the program is fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to broadcast. Tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. I am wherever you are listening to podcast. Tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you're listening, I am there. I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to the YouTube channel. Can't tell you there won't be any ads. I can just tell you that there's not going to be any charges. Only thing I ask in return is you hit the sub button for me. I think that's a fair deal. Guys, there is plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Stephen A. Smith and Draymond Green. We're going to be talking about Uncle Shay and Jameis Winston. We've got Nick Saban retiring. That's hard to believe, but it looks like it is inevitable. Although I did say at the beginning of the year that I thought he was done at the end of this year. We're going to be talking about Russell Wilson. Is he completely done in Denver? Comments from the GM. Patton, we're going to be discussing that. Vrabel, Pete Carroll, they are no longer head coaches at their NFL programs, ball clubs. We're going to be talking Bill Belichick, Ron Rivera. The final AP Top 25 poll has been released. John Morant done for the season with surgery. T.J. Watt looks like he's going to be out on Sunday for the playoffs. Plenty to get to. Uncle Shay right now, to me, is having a big case of the I'm feeling myself. Dude is, Brody is extremely into I'm feeling myself. And he's feeling himself because when he initially dropped the episode on YouTube, roughly 10 million views in a pretty short amount of time. Here's the thing. I'm not going to take away anything from Uncle Shea because he was already clearly very popular. But let's be honest. Anything that Cat Williams touches turns into pure gold. And Cat Williams is the one responsible for where Uncle Shea is right now. Most views that he's ever had, most amount of subscribers he's ever had. Having Cat Williams on there completely blew him out of the water. And Uncle Shea didn't even have to really do anything. Just, what about this? Bam, here's five minutes of material nonstop, bro, right there. There's another segment for you. And he was able to piece together a two-hour interview that, I mean, he just kept putting up two to three-minute clips. Bam, here's another one. Boom, here's another one. I got clips for days. You think that's the last one? Uh-uh, here's Disney. Here's this. Here, I mean, like, just goes on and on and on and on, right? And then the whole thing happens with Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston, for those who don't know, faked taking a knee so that way one of his teammates could get a million dollars and a stat sheet that would help him out going into free agency in the next season. And Uncle Shea jumped down Jameis Winston's throat, called him a loser, said he's got a loser's mentality, called him a bum, said he was this, said he was that. Now you have other people that were teammates of his and are teammates of his saying, no, 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 we're good. 
And all these people are going, man, that's just not fair. And the coach has clearly lost control of his players. Well, the players clearly banded together and came together as a team and really for the first time all year long. I mean, for the most part, the New Orleans Saints were non-existent this football season. And the only reason why they had any playoff relevancy whatsoever wasn't because of Derek Carr or anything else. It was because, well, location, location, location. Thank you, NFL rules, for making the division winner an automatic qualifier to the NFL playoffs. Now, I've talked umpteen times about how that needs to be done within the NFL. It should be used as a tiebreaker, but we're not going to get into that right now. The bottom line is that's what gave them relevancy. And because Jameis Winston is an easy target because of the difficult career that he's had and the very mundane career that he's had, it's easy to look at him and say, well, I'm going to cut him and I would have gone off sides and all this other Bro, you would have taken the money just like anybody else. Every man's got a price. And as a team decision, if you're the one, and you know this as somebody's played on a team, if you're the one to go rogue and say, no, I'm not going to do what the other guys are doing, other teams around the league may have respect for you for that, but that team that all decided on that together is officially, they're done. And we all know that. Because Jameis Winston and everybody else on that roster was getting somebody else's back. And they never pointed at the head coach. And Jameis Winston took all the responsibility for himself. Said, yeah, I did it, and this is why I did it. If you don't, if, it, if there's anybody out there that doesn't like it, that's just too damn bad because this is what I did it for. And I maintain my position. And I respect the hell out of Jameis Winston for that. And Uncle Shea was giving very outdated references, which, again, I partially get just because when you're doing that, you know, you start, you know, jumping out there and you're getting excited and intense and all that. You start throwing out things that don't exist anymore. You know, well, basically the same football team that, you know, Baker Mayfield got to the playoffs. I mean, that was true with Tom Brady, but not with Baker Mayfield. Let's be clear about that. Not with Baker. Okay. So, I mean, again, it's just heat of the moment. That part of it, I certainly understand. But the rest of it, I I just, and again, I partly understand where Uncle Shea is coming from. I get it. You could hurt somebody. That part of it, I 100% agree with. But everything else that was said, again, Jameis is is an easy target. He really is. That's why this is a thing. Me, personally, if you want to know where I stand, I stand with Jameis. And that's all there is to it. All right, Stephen A. Smith, Draymond Green. Draymond got upset with Stephen A. because Steph Curry's leadership was called into question. And, of course, Stephen A. was like, well, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Well, here's what Stephen A. said. He said, if we're going to hold LeBron to that same standard, because if it would have been LeBron, everybody would have questioned it when somebody like this would have been acting like this on his team, we should definitely hold Steph Curry to that exact same standard. Well, that's literally saying that you are questioning and people should be allowed to question Steph Curry's position as a leader. And I've already talked about this when he initially said it. Nobody controls Draymond Green but Draymond Green. And I hated watching the whole documentary about the Chicago Bulls and that whole time frame. Can we control Dennis Rodman? You know, can you control Dennis Rodman? Who's going to be able to – nobody can control anybody. Ultimately, people are going to do exactly whatever the hell they want to do. 
And for anybody out there to even begin to even work around, because that's what he's doing, work around the idea that somebody else is somebody else's responsibility is just not it. Now, I understand that there is a such thing as an accountability partner, but those are usually different sets of circumstances. It's two people coming together that have been through very similar things in life, have very similar attitudes, and they're keeping each other in check when somebody feels like they're about to have a flare-up. That's what that is. Relapse, drugs, alcohol, relapse. It's a lot of times a church thing, an accountability partner when you're fasting, Lent, whatever you want to call it. Accountability partners are made for a lot of different things. That's not what's going on here. You're literally saying in a far, far away situation, because when has LeBron ever been in that situation to begin with? Nobody ever said he had to control J.R. Smith. At least not that I've ever heard. If it's out there and I'm wrong, I'll take that lump. But I've never heard anybody saying LeBron controlled J.R. Smith. Never. Tom Brady controlled Randy Moss. Never. Everybody does exactly what they want to do, and that is whatever the hell they want to do. So to sit there and say that somebody else needs to control somebody else is BS, more or less questioning their accountability as a leader. Because, see, that's a T.O. Donovan McNabb thing, and Donovan McNabb at the end of the day is a good leader and was a good leader. T.O. acted in his own accordance, and he can blame his manager all he wants to. He still made the choice. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live. We're going to take a quick break and pay these bills. Don't touch that down. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live, and the program is fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio, which is online 24-7-365 at Xeno, or pardon me, at Block50Radio.com. And it's not even Block 50 Global Radio anymore. I finally convinced them to change it to Block 50 Radio, but I've been so used to saying Block 50 Global Radio. Which, man, I appreciate you for that, P-Dub. That's a good look, man. I appreciate you taking my advice, Brody. See that, folks? That's how a partnership works. People listen to each other, take each other's ideas, put their heads together. I've changed some things. He's changed some things. More than that, that's just called being homies. You know what I mean? WBFR, Black 50 Radio's online, black50radio.com, 24-7-365, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Black 50 Radio. Guys, I'm wherever you're listening to podcasts. The Real Drew Duncan is on YouTube, DRL Drew Duncan. Still plenty to get to. Nick Saban retires. Russ, will he be in Denver or not? We're going to be tapping into that as well. We're going to be talking about Vrabel and Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Ron Riviera. 
The AP Top 25 has been officially released. John Morant's out for the season. T.J. Watt's probably not going to play on Sunday. Plenty to get to today. DEFCON Level Threat 3, Alabama fan. This is not a drill. Nick Saban is retiring. You know, look, I don't know how Nick Saban's going to feel about this. I'm not going to be the one to speculate about why he's retiring. Before anybody else said it at the beginning of the year, I felt like the 12-team playoff going into next season would be something that he probably would not want to contend with. You know, again, four teams, when you really think about it, is not a lot. Over 130 teams in Division I college football. This is not 1985 anymore. Hell, this ain't even 2003 anymore. And plus, his age and everything. I mean, come on, at some point, you got to retire. You got to leave it alone. You have to walk off into the sunset. You have to take time for yourself, for your family. Look, Nick Saban overall has had a career that I've completely agreed with. Okay, I know how people think I they think I feel about the SEC. I don't feel any way about the SEC specifically. I don't feel any way about their coaches for the most part specifically. I don't feel any way that I do about their players specifically. Everything that I feel is about ESPN and what ESPN has done to help build the SEC. And if, you know, everybody was talking about, well, Nick Saban showed up at that time frame. You don't think part of the pitch was we got a ESPN? You're going to get better recruiting profiles. You're going to get better athletes as a result of that. It's going to be a lot easier for you to coach around here. Now, I'm not saying that Nick Saban's not the GOAT because he 110% is. You still have to coach who you got. That's a fact. You have to do that. And obviously, he was already successful at LSU. And I've heard it said before, and I agree with this, that Nick Saban times the SEC just works. Because at Michigan State, I mean, really, how good was he there? Couldn't cut the mustard in the NFL, but then again, a lot of coaches can't. When all is said and done, he will probably be remembered as the greatest Alabama coach in the history of Alabama, better than Bear Bryant. When all is said and done, for the moment, he is probably going to be talked about as the best coach ever in college football history. He won during the BCS era. He won during the college football playoff era. He had years and years where he was ranked number one more than anybody else compared to how many losses he had. Let's not forget that Alabama was all but on the brink in the 10 years leading up to him being there. I said that at the beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, I talked about Nick Saban and how phenomenal he's been since he's been there and how that team had all kinds of recruiting violations and other issues that had hit him and how they were on the downslope. And what was it, six out of those 10 years leading up to him being there were losing seasons and there were multiple seasons where they only won, where they won less than five games. Reality of it is, is he completely turned that program around. Regardless of how it was achieved, it certainly was achieved. And I'm not here to take anything away from Nick Saban. I'm not. I'm not backpedaling either. I stand by how I feel about ESPN and trickle-down economics and how it's helped the SEC. But Alabama winning has also been a part of that trickle-down economics. All the bowl games, the championships, it's worked its way down to the other football teams. 
it's a point of fact. And as far as his treatment of players, look, I have stood by Nick Saban on several different occasions. Innocent until proven guilty in this country is something that I've heard him say several different times. Giving guys second chances that everybody wanted him to give up. You know, one of the things he talked about was Mushin Muhammad. I mean, you know, really when it boils down to it, one of the things that I've always said that I will forever love about Nick Saban, regardless of how I feel about anything else, is how he is all about second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. You can't just write somebody off. You never know who they're going to become. You know, these people in the comment section, well, it sounds like he's just bragging. Sounds like he's just bragging. Well, somebody's got to do it when nobody else is doing it for you. When everybody else is going, well, how does this affect the legacy of Nick Saban? How does this affect the legacy of what he's doing in Alabama or LSU or Michigan State? How does this affect? Hell, Paul Feinbaum, of all people, was asked at the beginning of the year, hey, if Nick Saban doesn't make the playoffs this year, do you think you have to question his legacy? Well, yeah, I think you have to. What? Didn't they go 11-2 and last year? And that's considered a bad year by his standards? After everything he's done, you're going to tell me that not making the playoffs would question? I don't care if Alabama wouldn't have won a single football game this year. His legacy would have never been in question. You see, it's stupid-ass statements like that that people get away with, and then I get told that I'm crazy because I cite off literal specific things and told there are no facts here. No, there's there's facts. ESPN, $300 million a year deal, $7.1 billion total with the SEC network. That's a fact. 80% controlling ownership. That's a fact. It, it's a fact. It's literally, it's an indisputable fact. It's on the Sports Business Journal, which has been verified. Come on. These things are facts. Just like Nick Saban's record is a fact. His championships are, in fact, a fact. It's indisputable. Now, you can discuss how it happened, which is part of what I do with ESPN in the trickle-down economics. But at the end of the day, when you really look at it, there's so much changing in college football that even Dabo Sweeney, whose name has already been brought up into this, which I think it's way too early for that, but whose name has already been brought up into this, Dabo doesn't like the changes that are happening in college football. You're going to have to find a coach now who is very okay with what's going on in college football. But it was the great Jim Rome who said, you never want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who followed the guy. You want to be that, that second man down the line in terms of coming in. So the next person that comes in, it's not about having big shoes to fill. It's about basically having an insurmountable shoe to fill. It's a big gap, my man. And as good as Dabo Sweeney is, not only do I think he doesn't want to follow Nick Saban, despite him being, you know, the guy who taught him basically everything he knows, but the amount of pressure he's going to face combined with the fact that he and Nick Saban basically agree that where college football is at right now is not in a good place. 
Why would you want to replace one for the other? That doesn't make sense. You are going to have to find somebody that is very accepting in the way that the world of college football is changing. Because if not, you're going to fall, fall way by the wayside. You're going to go from astronomical to nothing real quick. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. Plenty left to get to. We got bills to pay, though. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up, and we are live. I am brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, VRL Drew Duncan, where you can listen to episodes for free. The one thing I ask is that you hit the sub button for me. Black 50 Radio is online, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Black 50 Radio. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Russell Wilson. The door apparently is still open in Denver, although I think Russ may end up closing that door himself. We're going to be talking about Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Ron Rivera. We're going to be talking about the final AP Top 25 poll. John Morant's out for the season. J.J. Watt, he doesn't – or he's not going to play this Sunday. You want to talk about the wrong time to get hurt? Far and away your best defensive player. What a blow, man. What an absolute blow. In the meantime, the Denver Broncos somehow, some way, are trying to keep a glimmer of hope open for the return of Russell Wilson. This, of course, SI.com, the Mile High Huddle, specifically covering the Denver Broncos in this particular Sports Illustrated edition. And this is directly from the GM, George Patton, who said, quote, the door remains open with Russ. I have had good conversations with Russ, and Sean has been good with conversations. The door is open. We'll get through the process, and we'll visit there with the coaching staff, the scouting staff. We'll visit with Russ and his people, and we'll go from there, end quote. Russell Wilson said, I want to be here, but I don't know. Quote, I came here for a reason, and that's to win more championships. That's still my focus to this day. I'm under contract, and I want to do whatever it takes, and that's why I'm going to practice the right way and do everything the right way and try to do it the right way. End quote on that. Of course, later on, Pat went on to say that there were no guarantees didn't exclusively deny threatening Wilson with being bitched if he didn't choose to alter what he was doing with his contract with the injury clause. 
quote, we made a good faith attempt to adjust his contract. We handled ourselves professionally, and I'll leave it at that, end quote from Patton. He also absolved Sean Payton of any and all responsibility. Quote, Sean was not part of the negotiations. Sean was getting ready for Buffalo. We handle business. Rich and I, in season, Sean is in prep mode and was preparing for Buffalo, end quote. That's what he says anyway. You know, it really doesn't make it any better for the Denver Broncos, any of that, to be honest with you. I don't think Russ is going to take too kindly to this, nor should he. Look, we're not talking about the money aspect, people. We're talking about the treatment of somebody. Let's not forget that this is Walmart, and we all know how their employees get treated. Except for you-know-who when she signed off. Of course, then again, she went back to visit her old stomping grounds at Walmart. Where people said hi to her. They talked to her. They said they missed her. It was out of control. Anyway... Sean Payton also claimed that he spent a half hour with Russ, claimed it was a good talk, yada, yada, yada. Which, by the way, he said that if the door wasn't open, he would have immediately said that. Try telling you guys, this is how Business 101 works. If there's no door open, people will just tell you, bye, there's no door open here. That's it. If it's still open, they'll keep it open. Believe me when I tell you. You know, when I talked about Draymond Green and Adam Silver and that whole thing, Look, it's really, to me, going to be more about whether or not Russell Wilson wants to be there. It's going to be, to me, whether or not he is willing to risk putting up with more BS. Because Sean Payton did something to him over the course of the season on more than one occasion that we never at least saw him do with Drew Brees. And that was yell at him on the sideline. Look, Russell Wilson was willing to completely reinvent himself, not once, but twice for the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett has a very specific system that he runs, and he was willing to try and reinvent himself for Nathaniel Hackett. It doesn't work out with Nathaniel Hackett. Sean Payton comes in, and what does he do? He once again completely reinvents himself for another system and another coach and another way of doing things. If Sean Payton never wanted Russell Wilson, then he should have never accepted the trade. That's it. That's all there is to it. He should have never been okay with him going to Denver. You know who's there. You know who that starter is going to be. You think you're just going to be able to wake up one morning and go, we're going to start Stidham over Russell Wilson, regardless of what the, the fans were calling for? The fans don't get that offensive line was absolute garbage last year. The fans don't get that Nathaniel Hackett had some of the worst play-calling skills that I've ever seen in my life, but because he had a stacked-ass roster in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, he looked like a really good play-caller. But he got exposed again with the Jets. All because he wants to protect his boy Aaron. Look, the reality of the situation is this. 
Russell Wilson should no longer be in Denver. Once you get treated like this, I'm willing to go anywhere and everywhere but here. And I got news for everybody. The Giants are probably looking for a quarterback. Daniel Jones is not going to he's not going to end up playing out that contract. It's not going to happen. Now, I don't know that a trade would happen between Denver and New York, but I got to tell you, it, it, with no Saquon Barkley, I mean, you've got to make a really big move here if you're the Giants. Do you have a very good-looking roster? Well, you know, I don't think that defense is as bad as people say that it is. I don't think that offensive line is as bad as people say that it is. I think Russell Wilson with the New York Giants will be a very good fit. I think Russell Wilson with the Arizona Cardinals would be a very good fit. I think down in Louisiana, maybe with the New Orleans Saints, could end up being a very good fit. I mean, come on. You you really want to keep Derek Carr for Russell Wilson? No, no, no. We don't want Russ. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep D.C. I mean, come on, man. I, I know that I, I'm on Jameis Winston's side with what's going on with him and Uncle Shea. That doesn't mean I think he's the number one QB. Not not on 90% of the rosters in the NFL anyway. He's definitely a backup. That's all there is to that. I absolutely think, I mean, any of those three places. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. I know that there's a lot of places right now where rookie quarterbacks that are going to want to finish out those contracts. Buffalo, if Josh Allen can get it done, win a playoff game or two, he, he gives himself a little bit more time. And even then, the way this season ended, probably gives himself a little more time. But at least one playoff win probably gives him another another year. I just think that New Orleans, the Giants, and the Cardinals would probably end up being the best situation for him. Even though the Cardinals are probably going to have a coaching change, you know, Jim Harbaugh is out there. And depending on what Jim Harbaugh does, Believe me when I tell you, Russell Wilson and his people, which is what Patton just talked about, they're probably looking to see what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. Have his people contact Jim Harbaugh's people when they make a move. Hey, man, let me put a feeler out there. How would you feel about Russ coming over? Wouldn't be surprised if... Harbaugh ended up in Denver with the Giants, with the Cardinals. There's a a vacant spot now down in Atlanta. Right? Arthur, he's out. There's a vacant spot in Tennessee. A million and one possibilities, guys. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We got bills to pay. We're going to take a break. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The program is fired up and we are live. Do not forget that I'm brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio, which can be found online 24 7, 365 at Block 50 Radio. Dot com. 
I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. Take your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan, iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. The only thing I ask is that you hit the sub button for me. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Mike Vabrell and Pete Carroll. We're going to be talking about Bill Belichick, Ron Riviera. We're going to be talking about the AP Top 25 Final. John Morant's out for the season. TJ Watt is out in the playoffs this coming weekend. Still plenty to get to today. Look, there is a point in time where it's just time, right? It's time for everybody to move on. Everybody needs a fresh start. Everybody needs to go at some point, right? Now, in this particular case, I don't think it could be said any more truer about two coaches than Mike Vrabel and Pete Carroll. Now, obviously, Pete Carroll has way more clout than Vrabel does, right? I mean, obviously, back-to-back Super Bowls, the Super Bowl dominant win over the Denver Broncos that people are going to bring up time and time again. The defense that he orchestrated with the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, he was a backup at the time. Let's not forget that Russ was making, I think, $800,000 a year as a backup. And I think it was Philip Whitehurst that was the starter that was making like a million and a half or somewhere in that neighborhood and wasn't doing anything. Russ comes in, and a lot of things change. Then, of course, when Russell got his first really big contract and the Seahawks started having problems, one of the things that was brought up was, can Coach Carroll coach a million-dollar quarterback, a hundred-million-dollar quarterback, let alone? It's a statement that I don't agree with necessarily, but I also get it. Somebody's making $100 million, it's really difficult to get them to do what you still want them to do, right? So part of me gets it. Part of me also thinks that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. You can either coach or you can. I mean, it's it's the NFL level. Everybody's making money. I mean, what's the minimum league stipend? A little over 700 k Right. I mean, come on. Everybody's making money in the NFL. Now, granted, there are people that are making a ton of money in the NFL, i.e. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, etc. But his coaching has come into question. They've had some really good second halves of the season after starting out pretty slow with Russ. But the bottom line is, is Pete Carroll is probably the best coach that Seattle's ever had. And I don't think that there's really any two ways about it. And, you know, one of the things that I constantly talk about when it comes to moving on from coaches and how are you going to handle that situation, sometimes you got to do something like, look, we're, we're going to keep you on as something. We'll, we'll give you a position in the front office. We're just we're ready to go a different way. And so what is Pete Carroll going to do? He's going to stay on as, quote, an advisor with Seattle. Which is probably a way of saying, we're going to have you coach without you coaching. Really, when you think about it. Or it could be a really nice way of saying, we don't really want you here anymore, but if you want to advise, just kind of like stay over there, but, you know, kind of watch what's going on. You know what I would do if I were you in this situation? I'd, you know, da-da-da-da-da. All right, man, thanks for the input. Back, back over there you go. You know, again, what, what Pete Carroll's in his 70s, isn't he? 
I mean, I just, I can't imagine working into my 70s. I mean, I see it all the time with all these elderly people like at Walmart and places like that. And I just think, you know, it's really unfortunate because I really believe that they should be able to enjoy the later part of their years. Having worked all that time, just go. And, you know, Pete Carroll, for a guy his age, still has a lot of energy. I mean, it's really kind of crazy to me, to be honest with you. I don't know what that guy's regimen is, but whatever it is, I probably need to get on it. Because that dude has an infinite amount of energy. Infinite amount. It's been insane. It's actually really impressive, to be honest with you. I'm kind of jealous of it, is what I'm saying. I'm 40 years old. And I'm just like, damn, bro, where do you get it? But, you know, when you take care of yourself and you stay healthy, like there's going to be a lot. Bottom line is, is there's going to be a lot here about Pete Carroll's career, right? You could go with how it didn't work out initially in the NFL and then all of a sudden it did work out in the NFL. You could talk about how it worked out in college form, you know, with USC, but then people are going to talk about scandals, which has been misinterpreted. You could talk about how he really didn't get Reggie's back probably the way that he should have. All that's going to be a part of it too. But the bottom line is, I think for the most part, players really respect him, even though, you know, Beast Mode claims that he laughed at his face when the whole thing happened at the end of that Super Bowl with Russ and he just, you know, whatever, and and, and walked off like, no, it's over, bro. You know, let's not forget just how ballsy Pete Carroll was in Super Bowls, especially that one, right? Because halftime, they could have just, let the clock run down and got into half the way that they were. Instead, he chose to to take a risk and drive that team down the field. He's also made some dumb errors, right? You know, putting his his punter in that situation, you know, with that whole thing that happened. Then his guy got smacked really good, you know, and the football game was already decided. It wasn't like he needed to do it. You know, there's a lot of ego behind Pete Carroll, which is fine. But all in all, when all is said and done, I really don't think there's a whole lot negative that you can say about his coaching career. It's just it wasn't consistent enough anymore. And you not just want to make the playoffs, but you want to win football games in the playoffs. And it's not happening. I think with Geno Smith, he did about as good as he could. You know, with Drew Locke, he did about as good as he could. But ultimately, at some point, you got to go. And I just think it was time for a change. Same thing with Vrabel. I mean, what, what was Vrabel anyways? 54 and 45, right, when he was at Tennessee? A big part of that, though, was him having Derrick Henry. You know, getting Ryan Tannehill was a really big thing. It all kind of came together, right place, right time. But ultimately, they couldn't go very deep into the playoffs either. You've got a quarterback that's getting sacked more times than anybody else in the NFL and second most times than anybody else in the NFL. You could blame a number of reasons for it, but the bottom line is is when it's consistently happening. And Will Levis could have potentially – saved his career or at least his job for another season but you know he got he had the leg injury and the foot injury and at the beginning of the season he had a quad and so he was already you know playing through some really bad things and it's just it's kind of like okay what what do we do here you know we we got to make some tough decisions Derrick Henry's probably not going to be here anymore you know and it could be that Derrick Henry if he wants to stick around and and be in Tennessee maybe part of that is look I'm I'm not good with the coach anymore And it's very possible that the Titans went to Derrick Henry and said, what is something that we can do to get you back here? And he very well could have said, Vrabel's got to go. I mean, it's not uncommon for conversations like that to happen. I mean, let's not forget John Elway and Dan Reeves. 
Pat Bolin had a decision that he had to make. Dan, you know, Dan Reeves or John Elway. He stuck with John Elway, and it worked out for him. I just really think that it, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. I haven't read anything. I'm just saying it's a possibility. I mean, look at Kevin Durant in the NBA when he was talking about coaches. Right? I'm not happy with this coach. Then they go on in to get Jacques Vaughn, but by then it was too late. But I think regardless of whether or not Derrick Henry is going to stay or go, if Derrick Henry is going to go, you look at the primary piece of the puzzle that has made this coach successful, you probably have to think to yourself, look, we're going to give somebody else a chance. We're, we're rebuilding our roster. Maybe they like Will Levis enough to be like, look, we, we think if we get a different coach in here, somebody who can really use this kid, he can really go far. But we got to keep him healthy, and we got to keep him healthy with a really good offensive line and a really good game plan. We have to be able to put these things together. The defensive line position is changing in the NFL, and it's become very dominant. It's trickling up from the collegiate level to the NFL. These defensive line players are better than they have ever been on a mass scale. Don't think I'm disrespecting Bruce Smith or Deacon Jones or Reggie White or any of those guys. I'm just saying on a mass level, you know, it's a big deal. So, you know, who knows? Again, Harbaugh's out there, so we'll see what happens. All right, everybody, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Don't you dare touch that down. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up and we are live. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Deezer, Spreaker, etc etc wherever you're listening i am there simply tell your device to play fired up by drew duncan if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs head on over to my youtube channel the real drew duncan the rl drew duncan where i do post entire episodes for free can't promise there won't be any ads but i can certainly tell you that it'll be for free the only trade-off i would like is that you go ahead and hit the sub button for me i am brought to you in part by wbfr block 50 radio which is online 24-7-365 at block50radio.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. It's all Block 50 Radio. Still plenty to get to. We're going to be talking about Bill Belichick, Ron Riviera. We got the final AP Top 25 polls that came out. We're going to be talking about John Morant out for the season. We're going to be talking about TJ Watt. Not playing this weekend in the playoffs. He is listed as officially being out. Still plenty to get to today. By the way, it's not just... Yeah, I I really want to touch on this really quick before I get into anything else. Everybody's talking about this negative five-degree weather that's going to be in Kansas City this weekend with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Welcome to the Midwest in January, bro. Where it is cold, blowing a lot of wind, and unforgiving, a lot like Jada Pinkett Smith. Just flat out grimy outside. And honestly, January is nothing compared 
to February. If they were playing February in the NFL in Kansas City, I don't even know that you could get anybody to strap up every single Sunday like that. I really don't. I don't think you'd be able to recruit any free agents regardless of how damn good Patrick Mahomes is. It's just not going to happen, Brody. You are not going to get anybody out there to play every week in February. Like, bro, what? I got to be in practice and in a game that's negative 10 with a 20-mile-an-hour wind making it negative 30 outside. All the pipes are going to freeze. Businesses are closing down. There's ice everywhere. You're telling me, like, I have moved in this kind of weather. Moved in it. I have literally sat outside in this weather watching the Super Bowl. Literally sat outside. A couple of my homies back home in the Midwest, they they had uh, a whole setup outside. And understand, it's always windy in the Midwest. And so... There was a whole little setup to try and block the wind. You got the TV outside. You got a big-ass fire pit going. You know, we're all out there drinking and, and smoking cigars and everything else. And it, it's a nightmare, but it's fun. But it's a nightmare. I mean, that's literally the Midwest that time of year. The fact that they're able to get anybody to go out on New Year's is usually a surprise. Because it's almost always 20 degrees outside with a howling wind. Just howling. I mean, in your face, man. I think the average wind, as a matter of fact, in the state of Kansas is 14 miles an hour. Now, I understand that the Chiefs play in on the Missouri side, but you're not that damn far. I mean, there's only about, you know, on a day where there's mediocre traffic, you know, about 20 minutes will get you back over to the Kansas side. Seriously. So you're you're right there in that area. I mean, come on, man. It is it is howling, and it is nasty out. It's right around this time of the year that everybody becomes hermits in the Midwest and just doesn't go anywhere. They don't do anything. It, people are going out. They're drunk. They're cold. <laughs> it's, it's a good time and a bad time all at the same time. I mean, it really is. Everybody's like, man, there's still a lot of tickets left for that football game. Well... I mean, damn, man, do you want to sit outside in negative five-degree weather? And I understand it's not just people that are youth, you know, 21, 31, 41 that are fans of football. You know, it's elderly people too. I mean, elderly people are not going to survive in that weather. You're not going to take your kids out in that weather. You're not going to take your eight-year-old son in negative five-degree weather and expect them to be okay. You're not going to take your little five-year-old daughter out in in negative five-degree weather and expect them to be okay during that game. It's just not going to happen. There are no space heaters alive that are going to keep you warm enough for that. You want to talk about being thermal insulated. It's an ugly nightmare. And it's probably going to be a very boring football game, to be honest with you. It's going to get nasty. But that's pretty typical this time of year. Seriously. You know, it's just you guys don't always see it on TV because a lot of times the weather seems to hit just right for football, but can't avoid it this year. I mean, it's all over the Midwest. Negative five-degree weather. It's not just specifically in, in Independence where the Chiefs play. So get ready for that boring game. Uh, Ron Riviera, Bill Belichick. Look, Bill Belichick, it's, it's been questioned. It's been talked about. 
You know, much like with Pete Carroll, I think it's just time to move on. You know, but regardless of whatever happens with this, just know that I will never change my opinion of Bill Belichick. Phenomenal defensive mind, very hard-nosed coach, understands letting the players be players while also like, hey, look, man, we we need you to keep everything on the low. Everything's got to be under wraps. Everything's got to be on a DL. You know, we we need you guys to just keep it all in-house. This is a very strict area. But that's just not the way of the world today, is it, Mr. I don't like having the snap face? Right? Remember that, Bill Belichick, the snap face? You know, where he's probably just joking, but also simultaneously being serious. You know, the the world has changed in the perception of the NFL, and somebody like a Mike McDaniels fits right into the social media world and the, and the type of exposure that the NFL likes, especially because they win football games. They're an entertaining football team to watch. They're going to rack up a lot of points. They're going to, you know, use a lot of exciting plays. They're going to do a lot of, you know, crazy off-the-wall stuff. They're going to have a lot of really good sound bites. You know, they're going to embrace social media. They're going to embrace this day and age. Whereas Bill Belichick just sort of wants to coach and, and, and coach football and do football like Bill Parcells and that be it. Well, that's just, that's not the way of the world anymore, is it? And it hasn't been for a very long time. And the more it's less like what Bill Belichick knows, the more it becomes difficult to relate to players. And that's just a point of fact. And when you start being unable to relate to players, then all of a sudden you're just kind of that grumpy old coach that nobody wants to be around. They respect you because of your history, but do they really want to, like, come and play for you? Because how many cold-ass games have we seen in New England? Again, that's another thing. It's cold. It's windy. Why, bro? You know, it's probably just that time. And with, you know, Ron Riviera, look, he has – fought cancer he has done so many amazing things obviously had that one really good season in particular in Carolina 15 and one you know they they had the other year that I think he was the head coach for you know where they started out was it one and three one and four peel off 11 wins in a row but they would lose in the first round of the playoffs I I just I'm not really sure it's time for him to be a coach at all in the NFL I'm sure there's some sort of involvement that he can have you know, given his heritage, he's one of the few that has made it as far as he has. And I know that a lot of people with his heritage are very proud of what he's accomplished. And he's a good dude. He really is. I mean, I, I don't think there's really anybody that has anything negative to say around him. I mean, it's not like Bill Belichick where he's going to retire and, and have all these rings, but all this, you know, conspiracies and, and allegations and all that are going to be hanging over his head. If he Walks away now, it's quiet, sure, but it's also respected, I think. You know, even though it hasn't been quite the career that he wanted it to be, it's still been a pretty good one. And the fact that there's really nothing looming as far as we know over his head, it's just one of those things where he's just not able to win football games. And winning is the only thing that matters in the NFL. It doesn't matter how much they love you. You know, look at Pearson, what's going on with the Raiders right now. It just, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at what happened with the guy before Josh McDaniels. Players loved it. He got him to rally. Unfortunately, sometimes winning doesn't even matter. All right, guys, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Don't you touch that guy.
Block 50 Global Radio. Hello everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up and we are live. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio. They're online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. Guys, I'm wherever you're listening to podcasts, in addition to being on YouTube, the real Drew Duncan, the RL Drew Duncan on YouTube, where I do post entire episodes for free. I, you know, I'm not going to tell you there's not going to be any ads, but free is free. And the only thing I ask in return is that you go ahead and hit the sub button for me. Still plenty to get to. We're going to be talking about the AP Top 25. John Morant's out for the season. TJ Watt. Season, seasoning, season. <laughs> he's out for the season. My goodness. TJ Watt doesn't look like he's going to be playing this weekend. So he's officially listed as out. With the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're going to be getting into that as well. The AP final top 25, Michigan unanimously was number one. Look, before I do that, I, I got to tell you, I, I miss the days when, honestly, the coaches still voted on the national champion. And and the playoff was essentially created in that if the coaches, poll, if the coaches didn't want to vote on the national champion that year, they didn't have to. Now, the coaches still put out a poll every season, but they they don't have the pressure of, yes, we would like to vote on a national champion this year. Of course, you know, over the years and years and years, it was pretty much the same controversy that we see now, right? You know, was there bias towards their own team? Was there bias towards their conference? You know, Lane Kiffin had to remove himself from, you know, the coaches' poll after he Voted his team number one several times, fairly undeservingly as well. That whole thing got busted out, so he decided to step away. He was a perfect example of of why that whole system was done away with, you know. And it used to be the because the AP poll came into existence, if I remember right, like in the nineties, right? I think it was ninety eight, and during the BCS era, they would take the computer system plus the AP poll, plus the coaches poll, and then it would it would tabulate who who the number one team was. And the coaches poll superseded the BS or BCS championship series anyway. So the coaches still decided on who the national champion was every year. And you could always have a split title between the coaches poll, the AP poll, you know, all that. But now it's just pretty much the AP poll, which is there. And of course the Associated Press list each individual voter who they voted for you know now which is nice I mean you have that that clarity you know in terms of who's voting but I I just something about the days of the coaches deciding on who the national champion is there's just something about that nostalgia I guess you know and and my thing has been you know especially now with this thing with Florida State I don't think it's going to get much better even with the expansion of the playoff and making it 12 teams I, I really sincerely do not think it's going to get any better. I think we're still going to see a beauty pageant. I think we're still going to see undeserving 10-3 and three football teams get in over undefeated football teams. I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen. Now that you've opened up this door, 
this Pandora's box of, well, you're missing a quarterback, so that means we don't have to vote you in by our own little bylaws, so now we're just going to go ahead and take this team. It, it's going to really be damaging to college football. I, I think, honestly, they should really follow more of an FCS system. If I'm being honest with you, I, I think that would be appropriate at this point. But, you know, who am I? Again, I've always said that I think the there needs to be at least 16 teams in, in a playoff system. Pretty much everything after that, you're dealing with the same team. You know, it, it puts in somebody that's a Liberty, somebody that's a UCF, more than likely anyway. And I think if you went back to the, the coaches poll and the AP poll and you put those votes together, then I, I think we would have a system that would see a lot more of that. But then again, it's not a perfect world. And I just think that if they adopt an FCS more style of, of playoff, then I you know, there would there wouldn't be so much scrutiny, I don't think. You know, but even then I like I've said a million times over, I think the NFL should change how they do playoffs. You know, it doesn't need to be AFC versus NFC. It just needs to be a Super Bowl. And it should be the top 14 teams. The best records, you know, tiebreakers are things like head-to-heads. Tiebreakers are things like winning your division. But winning a division should not automatically guarantee you a place in, in the NFL playoffs. I just don't think that should be a thing. You know, there's only been one 9-7 football team since the 16-game era back in like 84. Five, maybe before that when they did that, 82. There's only been one team that's ever won a Super Bowl, and that was Eli and the Giants. They were 9-7 and seven that season. It's only been one. It's been, I don't want to say how many years, but damn it, it's <laughs> it's been a couple. It's been some decades. Let's put it that way. How about that? We'll go with, it's been a few decades. But I, I just, I think that that's what needs to happen. You know, regardless, it's just kind of crazy to me. You know, you look at this final poll from the AP. I mean, obviously, you're going to have Michigan unanimous, number one. Still at Washington at number two, despite their performance. Texas at number three, bit of a shocker to me. Now, I guess what they're saying is, is they believe that Texas would beat Georgia because they got Georgia at number four. They dropped Alabama down to number five. And by the way, Oregon was at six. But they had enough votes, oddly enough, to tie with Florida State. So Florida State and Oregon both finished number six. Then after that, you got Mizzou, Ole Miss, Ohio State. I think for me, again, a big part of the problem is because, you know, you look at the top 16, 12 anyway, Ohio State, Arizona, LSU. Then after that, you got Penn State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I guess for me, a big part of the issue is, really when you look at it, it really you go to the top 11 at that point because you'd have to stop at Arizona because two teams are split at number six. Is the, Look, the one good thing about this system is you don't split a title, right? But I, I still just think that given looking at that, I think people are still in their crosshairs. And it's amazing to me that Texas will be ahead of Georgia. I, I just I, – and, and, you know, the other thing is, how many people opted out of bowl games this year? You know, we, we only talked about Florida State and everybody that opted out for Florida State. 
We didn't talk about all the other teams that were down to their third and fourth string quarterbacks. We didn't talk about other teams that basically had their practice squads in there. We didn't talk about other teams that, you know, their, their main running backs and linebackers were hitting the portal or going to the NFL or opting out for whatever reason. We just solely focused on Florida State. And a lot of these bowl games really just don't even matter. And so to me now, with the rankings as they are, I guess you could say that's what a lot of them – are potentially going off of the information that we have is maybe Texas could have beat Georgia. I, I just, I, even the way Georgia beat up on a battered Florida state team, I don't know that I would put them behind Texas, man. I just, I have a big problem with that. I have a really big problem with that as a matter of fact. And I have a really big problem with, Alabama dropping the way that they did, Ohio State dropping the way that they did, knowing, you know, I mean, again, it's just you're you're going off of these these postseason wins that really just are not adding up. I mean, the Pop Tart Bowl, I guess it was cool for all of us to see a guy go down a big ass toaster and turn into a Pop Tart quote. I, I you know, whatever, dude, it, it it didn't do anything for me. Not that I'm old or I'm incapable of having fun. It just didn't do anything for me. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm a, it's really crazy. If you knew me, you would know that it's weird that I'm such a germaphobe, but I really am. But if you knew about me, you'd be like, what? You're a germaphobe? At the, for real? Okay. I mean, like, but it is what it is. I mean, I hear it all the time. Like, you're a germaphobe. Like, I, I've had conversations with women. They're like, you'll, this and this and this, but you won't even let me drink your, a sip of your soda. No, I will not. I will not allow you to do that. You stick your tongue in my mouth, and it, but you will not let me sip. Don't ask me. Job's got to get done. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I just, I don't know about these polls anymore at all. I, I think they're becoming more and more relevant. Same with college basketball. All right, everybody. We're going to take a break. We got bills. Don't touch that. Uh... Block 50 Global Radio. I am Drew Duncan, and we are live. The program is fired up, and I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening. I am there, and if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs and miss the show live, head on over to the YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Black 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at Block50Radio.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It's all Block 50 Radio. Still plenty to get to. Momentarily, we're going to be talking about Ja Morant. TJ Watt looks like he's going to be out for the season. Still got that on tap. Man, I tell you what, this cold weather is just... Whew flying in the weird thing is it was it was like 50 degrees today and it's 
or yesterday, and it's supposed to be 50 again today, so we'll see. It's really not supposed to hit until tonight. It's just going to drop dramatically. I don't know if there's going to be any snow with it, but you never really know around here, do you? It's cold everywhere right now, my man. But the only one that matters, though, is the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yeah, I just, I got to tell you, if I'm Miami, I'm I'm in town already. And I'm at least at the bare minimum making my guys walk around outside in that blistering cold wind for a solid two or three hours. Got to get used to it. You just, you have to get used to it. Because it is nice and toasty in Florida this time of year compared to what we get. I'm just saying. For those asking, how do you know so much? I am from the Midwest. So there's that. TJ Watt's not going to be playing this weekend. That's been confirmed by ESPN at least. Look, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had a different difficult enough time right especially Mike Tomlin I mean this is to me this has been a conversation that's just been out of control over really for a long time now we're this is a conversation that has really been happening for about the last six years seven years somewhere in that neighborhood it just seems like at the end of every season regardless of where they were at in the playoffs regardless of how many games they won it's always do we need to fire Mike Tomlin well, now T.J. Watt, because remember, he got hurt in that game last weekend, and you just – the look of dejection, of course, you know, what look he's supposed to have, but I think it was – anybody who watched that knows that they're looking at that and just like, bro, Watt knows he's done for, for the season. I mean, there's, there's just no coming back, regardless of how far they get in the playoffs. Not coming back. It's just not going to happen. Look, here's the thing. One of the things that I've talked about already with Tomlin is whether or not he's got enough fire in him to light a fire under those guys' ass because he's tired of hearing the BS about how he doesn't need to be a coach anymore with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I reiterate for the 90th millionth time since probably 2016 or 17 that you could do a whole hell of a lot worse than Mike Tomlin. How long did it take for the Texas Longhorns to find their coach? How good had the Broncos been post-Mike Shanahan era? I mean, you had those couple of years with Peyton Manning, but even then that last season was really a defensively driven football team. And ever since then, how well have they fared? No Gary Kubiak. The amount of time in between it takes to find a truly good coach, a truly good quarterback. Look at the Patriots without Tom Brady. You could certainly do a whole hell of a lot worse. What coaches are and, – and look, I want to ask you this legitimately, Pittsburgh fan. What coaches are out there right now that if you say they have this exact football team that Mike Tomlin has – this is an 11 or 12 win football team. And they don't just win a playoff game. They get to the bare minimum, let's say, the AFC championship game. 
who do you realistically think is out there that would have this team in the position that they're in right now? You think Jim Harbaugh is that good? You think John Gruden is that good? Who, by the way, there are rumors circulating that he may be ending up back in Washington. You, you think he's that good? What coaches are out there? You think Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll? Who's out there that you you legitimately, you, you've got the answer of let's fire him, okay, but who's the answer of let's hire this particular guy? Unequivocally, with this football team, they would have 12 wins, bare minimum. And they're going to win in the wild card. They're going to win in the divisional. And even if they lose in the AFC title game, it's going to be competitive. Who? Who's out there? I would love to know the answer to that. I I will say this. I think it's the nail in the coffin for this season with T.J. Watt being out. This team has somehow been able to win a lot of football games over the years, 17 consecutive seasons, never a losing record. It's unheard of in the NFL because it's never been done before. But I, I do think, though, that's probably it. I mean, any glimmer that Pittsburgh had winning that football game I think just flew out the door with T.J. Watt not being able to go. Because if he's not able to go, I mean, it's that was probably a season-ending injury anyway. Speaking of season-ending injury, John Morant, he's out for the year. Not that the Memphis Grizzlies were doing anything before he showed up or even afterwards. I mean, he, you know, John Morant did what he did, man. I mean, he had some really spectacular highlights, and they looked okay, and there was a thing with the Lakers. Then what? You know, I mean, look, John Morant has already got enough around him. There were already rumors, as it is, that Minnesota, or pardon me, that Memphis may be looking to move on. Uh, I just, I don't think that with him being out for the season that he's a viable trade option before the deadline. I mean, who's going to want to take a risk on it? Because literally you're going to be paying a guy that you know is not going to play this season. So you're going to have to be exceptionally welcome to the idea of, well, we know this year nothing's going to happen, but next year we can make a move, get some pieces, whatever the case may be, put somebody around him, somebody's, whatever the case may be, and we can make it happen. Me being a Knicks fan, I would love to see him with the Knicks, although I don't think he would quite fit in, but it would be nice to have that guy that can drop 50 on you at any given moment, not just once in a while, although a New York Knicks has done that this year. And regardless of what Stephen A. says, there are New York Knicks out there like Jalen Brunson that are mega stars. So there's that. Look, I just I, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are in a tough situation because there's really nowhere to go for the rest of this season. You're, you're clearly not going to make the playoffs. I mean, if that happens and I'm wrong, fine, but I, I just don't see it happening. You, you lost any real defense that you had when you decided to let go of Dylan Brooks and use him as your scapegoat. Now look at what's going on in Houston. You've got no offense now without John Morant. What are you going to do? You're not going to be able to trade him. I mean, you want to talk about an ultimately lost season. 
because he was suspended, as we all know, to start the year for all the stuff that happened last season. You know, the Instagram, the strip club or the club, you know, just it's really turning into it went from Memphis could potentially be a championship contender with John Morant to now they probably don't even know who the hell they are, what their identity is, what they want to do. I mean, you want to talk about no man's land. That is exactly where the Memphis Grizzlies are right now. Worst place you could be in all of sports, let alone professionally. There's literally, you want to talk about hands tied? That's what it is. And if you want to trade Jaw at this point, given everything that's happened before, whether you agree with it or not in the injury, you're going to have to find somebody really, really desperate. All right, everybody, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Don't you touch that dust. 